Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Eric Hunter Podcast for the 17th day of, I almost said September. I don't know why. November 2022. Oh, good God. One week before Thanksgiving. I'm already in a tryptophan coma. I'm Derek Hunter. This is the Derek Hunter Podcast. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, rating and reviewing on iTunes. Take a moment to do those sorts of things. Make sure you subscribe and resubscribe and do all those sorts of things that other people do to cook the books. Appreciate you listening. Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. That's where you enter to win the contest. You got, uh, what do you got? Judge Janine. Ver- I almost said Judge Judy. Just one of them days. Judge Janine versus Anne Rice. Both autographed books. You get your choice. You just join or sign up there. And I posted some pictures of the kids, too, this morning. So check them out. My, what I did on my day off. I took them to get ice cream. So, yes. Check that out. Sign up. Five bucks a month is all we ask and appreciate the hell out of every little penny of it. It's cheaper than being pseudo-verified on Twitter, so you got that going for you. All right, let's get on with the show. I uh, I watched the Trump speech, or I watched, I should say, as much as Fox carried. They stopped at about 44 minutes after the hour, which was about 42 minutes in. I guess he started a couple minutes after 9 o'clock. And then Hannity jumped in. Uh, He went on for another 15 minutes, like an hour and 10 minute speech. It was a very, very long speech. And my first reaction was Donald Trump has gotten a lot better at reading a teleprompter. In 2016 and 2020 and a while president, he wasn't all that good about reading the teleprompter. He could read it. It was not as his reading comprehension, Joe Biden has reading comprehension problems. It was his delivery. It sounded as though he hadn't read the words before. Like he was unfamiliar with the text. He got the idea, but he was unfamiliar with the text. And so he was reading it very deliberately. And he had weird stops and starts at various places that just didn't seem natural, certainly not the way that the man talks. And his announcement speech for 2024, he'd gotten significantly better at that. And so at least in this speech, delivery is a better speech than usual. And it was a uh, well-delivered speech. Now, that being said, at certain points, he did go off script. I wish I could tell you who I was texting with, but I can't. But I was texting with a prominent conservative, not a media person, but a prominent conservative writer. And uh, he, was on the, he was on the same page as me. Like, he needs to stop. He needs to stop. He needs to, okay, make his announcement, get to a point. Brevity is the soul of wit. He's in a room full of supporters. He could make the announcement, do 20, 25 minutes of why he should be president of the United States again, and then get off. But he goes off, and then he would be in a room full of, of supporters. Those people were chosen. Those people were picked to be in that room. You had to be invited only. If you looked at the crowd in any of the pictures, you go, oh, there's that guy, and there's that guy, and there's the other guy. So it it wasn't a surprise uh, to anybody who was there, and it wasn't like the room was going to 
be aghast at anything Donald Trump said. They're fully on his team. These are people who worked in his administration or hope to work in his administration again. These are people who run organizations that make a lot of money off of Trump and therefore make a lot of money for themselves. You know, places that have conservative in their title but are more interested in conserving their bank accounts than any cause related to conservatism. Maybe you can figure out who I'm talking about. But they uh, they were all there. He could have basked in their glory and had conversations and what have you after he finished. It just seemed that when you lose Sean Hannity, when they interrupt on Fox and go, okay, enough of this speech, that you've gone on too long because you missed his rousing ending of the speech. Now, my wife switched to something. I don't know what it was, something else to finish watching the speech. But it took like five minutes because she was falling asleep um, because she gets up at four o'clock in the morning. But she, uh, I sort of heard the end of it, but by then I was putting the kids to bed, so I wasn't really paying that close of attention. And besides, the vast majority of the audience is on Fox. Let's be honest. All the other networks combined don't come close to the average 3 a.m. hour on Fox News. So you sit there and you, you watch this speech and you lose your biggest affiliate, if you will. You lose your biggest outlet. I wonder if Sean Hannity's going to catch hell from Trump for, for dumping out of it or not. But I think he might have saved him, except for the fact that he missed, like I said, the end. The point of a speech is you have a nice introduction, you frame the argument, then you make your big announcement, and then you have a giant crescendo. You have the ending, you have the big triumphant, and this is why, and we're going to go on, and blah, blah, blah. And you miss that part. Because Fox dumped out at 45 minutes after. I wonder who made that decision. But it was a fine speech. It was, I mean, it wasn't anything we hadn't heard before, but it was a fine speech. And like I say, his delivery's gotten better. That will serve him well. The one, let's see, the, the money moment in the speech was when he said that America's comeback starts now. That was a good, I remember, you know, I remember watching that speech. It was not like it was yesterday. I watched that bit of the speech and it was like, all right, you know what? Good. I agree. Let's do it. And if Donald Trump earns the nomination, then Donald Trump is the nominee and let's do this thing. But I do not believe that the road should be plowed for anybody running for president of the United States. No politician deserves your support, in my opinion, ever under any circumstances. They earn it. They earn it. And they have to keep earning it. Having done things in the past, you would not go, all right, well, this plumber doesn't really do a good job, but they're not promising to do a good job, or I I don't know, they're charging too much, whatever. Not particularly happy with what this plumber's offering. They're charging more, blah, blah, blah. But in the past, they've unclogged my toilet really well. So I'm going to hire them, even though this other plumber is better. Nope. You got to prove you're the better plumber every single time. You got to prove you're the better politician every single time. Time. That's why your vote in the primary matters so much. That's your time to say, you know what? Thank you, but no. You return that person to civilian life and replace them with another Republican nominee who then you hopefully replace them with in Congress. So it 
the seat doesn't flip. But the primary is where you go, all right, what are you going to do next? It's not a reward for what you've already done. If it were, we'd never have, we'd barely, well, we barely ever have turnover now. That's the power of incumbency. But politicians need to be loyal to us, not the other way around. You can be loyal if they earn it, but I just wouldn't, blind loyalty to anything or anybody is not good. So I want to play you the, the good moment, the one, the, like the best moment, I think, from Trump's speech is when he says that the, uh, the comeback starts now. Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests and my fellow citizens, America's comeback starts right now. He'd built it up to that moment. He'd laid out the problems in the country. And he laid out after that what he would do. It was a very good speech. It was. Doesn't mean I'm going to say that nobody else should run for president because I think even if Donald Trump ends up being the nominee for president for the Republican Party, a tough primary would serve him well. The dynamics have changed. A lot of people, I've read a lot of criticisms about the speech. It was, it's the same speech. It's the same Trump. It's the same thing over and over and over. I get it. For a lot of people, that wears thin. For a lot of people, it wears thin temporarily because right now we're just out of an election and the last thing anybody wants to think about is another election. So they just go, oh, and roll their eyes at anybody talking about the next election, especially when we've got a runoff for a seat in the Senate coming up in Georgia. Trump did say that, you know, he fully full-throatedly endorsed her friend Herschel Walker for that seat in the Senate in Georgia. It'll be interesting to see if he goes and campaigns with him. It'll be interesting to see if Walker then, because everybody wants to know, what is the response from Ron DeSantis? What is the response from Ron DeSantis? Because Trump took a couple of childish shots at him in the uh, the speech, just a little one, nicknames. But it, uh, it'd be really interesting to see if Herschel Walker says, you know what, I want Donald Trump to come and campaign with me, and I would also like to see Herschel Walker or uh, Ron DeSantis come and campaign with me. And then we both campaign, or whatever, maybe not both of them together on the same stage, that might be too far, but both of them campaigning in the state would be good. But then you have to wonder, will Trump consider that to be disloyal? I don't know. Interestingly, Ivanka is out. Ivanka is out. She has announced that whatever happens, she is not going to be involved in the campaign. She is done with politics. She has uh, stepped aside which I think is probably good, considering that she's not particularly conservative or what have you. And it really was unclear what she did before, aside from sort of be involved in drama. The UK Daily Mail has the story. Ivanka Trump says she won't be involved in former President Donald Trump's 2024 run for the White House, expressing in a Tuesday night statement that she plans to focus on her children as husband Jared Kushner attended the Mar-a-Lago launch. Yes, Ivanka wasn't even there. Quote, I love my father very much. This time around, I'm choosing to prioritize my young children and the private life we are creating as a family. The former White House advisor said, while I will always love and support my father going forward, I will do so outside the political arena. 
So good for her. So, and I'm grateful to have had the honor of serving the American people and will always be proud of many of our, of our many, uh, proud of many of our administration's accomplishments. So she's out. Will that matter? Part of the story was that that uh, having her around just kind of uh, softened Donald Trump a little bit. Be curious to see who he surrounds himself with. Now, Jared Kushner, who a lot of people have problems with for whatever reason, will still be involved. So that's very interesting. So we'll see what it all means and we'll see how it shakes out. It's one of those weird announcements where a good chunk of the left and a good chunk of the right are very happy that it was made. And a good chunk of the left and a good chunk of the right are not happy that it was made. Almost for the same reasons, to be honest with you. A good chunk of the a good chunk of the right thinks he'll win. A good chunk of the left thinks he can't. A good chunk of the right thinks he can't win. A good chunk of the left thinks he can, especially against a clown like Joe Biden. So it's one of those things where you're sitting there going, I don't know. We'll have to see how it shakes out. I don't think anybody's ever announced for president this early. I would have preferred a nice little respite, a chance to exhale. But here we go. Now we'll see what having announced for president actually means. I don't know what you do while running for president for uh, what 14 months before the Iowa caucuses, 14 months before the first vote. How do you occupy that time? You can burn through a lot of money or you can do nothing. Maybe just announcing is enough. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out, but I hope this doesn't set the precedent for people now starting announcing in 2028, I'm running for president. 2032, here we go. No, no, no. I'm going to say, we'll see how it plays out. Success is always imitated. So God help us. But if you're sitting there and you're saying, well, Republicans need to do this, need to, need to get rid of mail-in voting. Well, where mail-in voting is a problem, Republicans can't get rid of it. They can't get rid of it. So what do you do? Do you just go, oh, well, we're never going to win in Pennsylvania again. We're never going to win in Arizona again. We're never going to win in wherever again. No. That's what we did for the last two election cycles. 2020 was a disaster in part because the Republicans, led by Donald Trump, said, don't mail in your ballot. You'll get lost or whatever. They'll get rid of it. Don't drop it in the drop box. Vote on Election Day. Where Democrats said, we got three or four weeks to go out and manufacture as many votes as humanly possible. Not fraudulent. Maybe they were fraudulent. Some of them probably undoubtedly were. But they went out to nursing homes and said, everybody grab your ballots, fill them out. We'll take them and put them in. Oh, by the way, if you need help filling them out, we'll help fill you out. We'll go to places where we know that the people, you can tell, you know from the data, if somebody's registered as a Republican or registered as a Democrat, you know if they vote or they don't vote. You can go and find them and pinpoint their exact location and know exactly what they're going to do. And all you got to do is say, all right, well, I know you're going to vote and I know you're going to vote Democrat. Well, why don't we do it now and I'll take your ballot and make sure it gets in there. And then they took the ballot and made sure it got in there. Period. End of story. You can sit there and I agree with you. I would preach right with you. That sucks. It's BS. It's garbage. It should not be the way it is. Somehow we managed for more than 200 years to all vote on one day. It's stupid. 
Early voting, stupid. Do you know what? Instead of saying don't do it, Republicans need to get good at it. If you look at California, Republicans recognize they're never going to have power in the state to change state election law. So what did they do? They got good at ballot harvesting and mail-in ballots. And now they're going to be more Republican representatives from California and then in a long time. The House flipped in large part because of the seat flips in California. Yeah, you can talk to me about redistricting and demographics and the fact that in the census they lost the seat. All factors as well, but a big factor was that the Republican Party, at least in California, said, well, these are the rules we're going to have better learn how to play at them. You can sit there and whine and piss and moan about, all oh, these rules are wrong. and All you want, it's not going to change the rules. In Pennsylvania, there's a Democrat governor. There's no way in God's green earth, even if Republicans control the legislature, which I, they did, I think they still do, there's no way in God's green earth that the Republicans are going to go and pass a piece of legislation that says no more mail-in balloting, no more dropboxing, no more 50 days of early voting, and a Democrat governor is going to sign that. There's no way. He'd be stupid to sign it. It benefits him. It benefits his party. They'd be stupid to sign it, so he won't. So Republicans, instead of going, well, it's unfair what happens in Pennsylvania, you can do that. You can whine about it if that's really wanna, how you want to burn your calories. But otherwise, you need to learn how to do it. You need to learn to identify voters. Republicans know who their voters are, and Republicans know whether or not their voters voted. And the voters who didn't vote, who would be inclined to be their voters, need to be targeted. You need to have somebody knock on their door when early voting starts next time. It says, hey, We'll take you to the polls. How about, okay, you can't go now? Set up a time. It's very important that you vote. It's very important that you vote. Work with them. Say, we'll get you your ballot. We'll help you fill out an absentee ballot request. Or if it's just mailed out to you, you fill it out. We'll happily help you fill it out. And we will take it and make sure that it gets dropped off and is counted. All of this stuff is what Democrats do. They have what? anywhere between 7 and 50 days of voting. Whereas if you listen to the Republicans, establishment or Trump Republicans, you have one day. You have one day. Who do you think is going to pull more voters out of their hats under those circumstances? Because you can have all the plans in the world. I'm going to vote. I vote every time. I've never missed a thing. And then your tire blows out. Oh, crap. Or the car won't start. And you go, oh, you know what? Yeah, Tuesday is election. Tomorrow's election day. But Wednesday, I've got to go someplace that's really important, too. I have to get the car fixed today. They need it dropped off at 8 o'clock in the morning at the mechanics. And they'll have it back to me by Wednesday morning for whatever the problem is. And, you know, maybe you can't arrange another ride to the polls. Or maybe you forget about it because other priorities take over. That's why Republicans need to get good at early voting. If they don't, you can keep expecting to lose. You can keep expecting to lose. It's that simple. Democrats know exactly where their voters are, who their voters are, and what they can expect from them. They'll go to nursing homes. There's a lot of things that Democrats will do that it's unseemly. They'll go, you know, halfway houses. Republicans need to get good at all of these things because what Democrats are doing is a little bit sketchy. It's a little bit shady, 
But if it's not illegal, it doesn't matter. If it's not illegal, it doesn't matter. And if it's not illegal, damn it, the Republicans better damn well do it. And they better get better at it. Then, by the way, if Republicans start dominating, everybody's mail-to-mail-in ballot in a particular state, whether they ask for it or not because of the stupid COVID restrictions, everybody gets one. And Republicans start winning. Republicans start dominating at it the way Democrats are now. Guess what? Then, then Democrats will be open to going, you know what? We really do need to probably reform election laws. We'll be open to a discussion about that. That's As long as something benefits Democrats, they're never going to give a damn about it. They're never going to let it stop. They're never going to let it change. They're never going to do anything about it. You've got to beat them at their game. And then suddenly, oh, wait, we need to do this. We need to do that. There's a whole bunch of shady stuff out there. Doesn't have to be that way. For a long time, like in Montana, like in actually a lot of places where There are uh, Indian reservations, lots of Indian reservations. There's a lot of corruption in the states where there are Indian reservations for presidential elections, for Senate elections, for whatever. When I I remember 2006, I was in Montana. My boss was in Montana. They had same-day registration, probably still do. Same-day registration. All you had to do was show up with a, a... a bill, utility bill, and even a cell phone bill counted as a utility bill, which is asinine. And college students were being pumped from the University of Missoula to uh, the polling places by Democrats. I mean, just bring your cell phone bill. Well, your cell phone bill sent to your dorm room. It's not your residence, but you could register same day. There's no way to check whether or not you re- voted in your home state. So you could vote twice. Nobody's going to be held accountable for that or the odds of anybody being held accountable for that are very slim, especially when it benefits Democrats. But on the Indian reservations, there were even less safeguards. Indian reservations, they were run largely by left-wing activists on the Indian reservations, and you could vote under your name. And then if you had an Indian name, you could vote under your Indian name as well. And if you were a woman who was married and had a maiden name, you could technically vote under that name as well. So you could vote if you were a woman, or maybe now identify as one, up to three times, and there's no safeguard against it. There's no safeguard against it. They make their own rules. They're a sovereign part of the the country. They make their own rules, they have their own controls, and they're not going to have any oversight or anything like that. It is wild corruption that everybody knows about. And, I mean, it's such a small percentage that most of the time it doesn't matter. But make no mistake, it matters in local races. It matters in local races. And it will matter occasionally in uh, national races and Senate races. My boss lost by 2,500 votes, I think it was. 2,500 votes to Senator John Tester. Also, you have to recognize that there were there's a lot of crazy people out there, too. There's a guy. His name was uh, Sam Jones, I think it was. Not Sam. I think Sam Jones played Flash Gordon in the movie Flash Gordon. It's not, not him. I think his name was Sam Jones. He ran as, he was like a perma-candidate. Perma-candidate as a libertarian in the state. He ran every election cycle. If he's still alive, he was probably on the ballot this time. But in the year 2000, remember Y2K? 
Y2K was, oh my goodness, Y2K was going to destroy everything. Computers were going to crash. Nothing was going to work. Water would shut off. Electricity would shut off. We were all screwed. Y2K. He bought into that big time, apparently. This is what I was told at the time, that he bought into that so much that he was convinced that antibiotics would be a thing that would not be allowed. You, know, you just wouldn't be able to get your hands on antibiotics somehow because of Y2K. And he made some sort of concoction to protect himself for the lack of antibiotics. I don't know, like as if, as if bacteria would have gotten super virulent when the computers crashed. And he took some concoction to protect himself. And that concoction turned his skin a permanent shade of blue. I'm not a permanent shade of blue. He looked like Papa Smurf because he had white hair. And he wasn't, it wasn't like totally blue. He wasn't like uh, Violet in uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. But it was, uh, you look at him and you're like, is that, is that blue or silver? What is that skin? It's, it's blue permanently. That guy running for Senate as a libertarian ended up getting 10,000 votes. <laughs> so you got to watch out for corruption, but you also have to watch out for having a good message. You got to have a good message. I, I didn't particularly care for my boss's message in 2006. He was delivering for Montana and he spent a lot of time talking about the pork that he brought home for the state of Montana. Uh, of course, he knew what he'd been elected three times before. He knew better than I did. And they elected a Democrat. You can't say Democrat. They want to know what uh, people are going to be left alone. They're going to want to. They want to be left alone. They don't want to learn about the pork. Well, the other senator was a Democrat, Max Baucus. They elected a Democrat, John Tester. They're both big spending porkers. So, what the hell does anybody know? I don't know. All right. Since I am so professional, I'm sitting here talking, and I looked up. Stan, it's Stan Jones. I think I said Sam Jones. Sam Jones did play um, Flash Gordon in that god-awful 80s movie, Flash Gordon. It's a god-awful movie, but you can't turn it off. And I'm looking at here's the story of Stan Jones. Uh, in his book, The Disappearing Spoon, about the periodic table, author Sam Keen chronicled the experience of Jones, who developed Agria, A-R-G-Y-I-A, which permanently turned his skin a blue-gray color by consuming large quantities of homemade collodial silver. Jones' purposeful consumption of silver, which he believed to be an antibiotic, was, measure, was a measure he undertook in response to his fears that the y, of the Y2K problem would make antibiotics unavailable. An event that did not occur. I love how they put it, an event that did not occur. Don't you remember back in 2000 when all antibiotics disappeared? I'm not sure how you just, you know, if you think the computers are going to crash, write down the recipe, I guess. Uh, the peculiar uh, coloration of his skin featured prominently in media coverage of his unsuccessful campaigns. <laughs> Jones is reported to have said, given the chance to go back, he would do it all over again. And there's a picture of him. It's it's blue-gray, kind of, I don't know how to describe his, it's not, it's not a skin color you see in nature, if I'm being rude about it and just trying to be descriptive. Actually, I'm just trying to be descriptive. It could come across as rude. If you are a watcher of The Walking Dead, which is having its series finale, 
this Sunday, which I am still a watcher of The Walking Dead. I took some years off, but I'm back to it. Um, it's the skin color of that. It doesn't. It doesn't look dead. Don't. I'm not saying that that Stan Jones looks like he's The Walking Dead. I'm just trying to give you a sense of what the color is. That's what the color is. All because he thought antibiotics would somehow go away because of Y2K. I don't. I don't understand it. And I'm kind of glad for understanding that. But he, he ran for Libertarian, he ran for the Senate in 2020 or 2002 and 2006. He ran for governor in 2000, 2004, and 2008. You see what I mean? When I say he was a perma candidate as a Libertarian, and you have to sit there and you go, Libertarians couldn't cough up anybody else? Not a single non blue person? Hmm? Nope. No Transformers or G.I. Joes are available. They had to stick with the Smurfs. Oh, that's just mean. I'm mean. Whatever. If you want to sit there and complain about the rules and go, oh, I can't believe Republic. No, they need to repeal. And I had this argument with somebody in real life the other day. We need to change the rules in, uh, in to get rid of mail-in voting. Okay, yeah, great, great. What are you going to do in a state where you don't have the power? Uh, we need to change the rules. No, no, you can't. Well, the federal government, you can't do the... The concept of federalism is not something that is, you know, it's a switch, it's an on-off switch, that when it's convenient, you switch it on, and when it's inconvenient, you switch it off. That's not the way it works. This is my problem with Lindsey Graham and his stupid abortion ban. You can't say federalism, leave it up to the states, overturn Roe v. Wade, or go back to the states, and then immediately go, yeah, but now we're going to try and repeal and block it and put in restrictions nationwide. No, it's either not a federal government issue or it is a federal government issue. So maybe you lied for all those years, Lindsay. Most of us didn't. But when it comes to election rules, those, those are the rules. Win by them. Beat them. Go for it. Win. I don't care how you do it. And you sit there and you go, well, marijuana is going to be legal in uh, probably a majority of the states if it isn't legal in majority of the states already. You know which states it are. It is. that You can go and buy just recreational weed if you so choose. Who cares? In other states where it's still illegal, guess what? It's still illegal. So if somebody gets arrested for trafficking marijuana in a state where it's illegal or possession of marijuana or with intent to distribute or whatever, guess what they should face? Criminal charges. Oh, but it's wrong if it's legal in one state and it's illegal. And I don't really care. The law is the law. It's a state law issue. No matter what my personal belief on the subject is, it is the law. You should, look, if you qualify for student loan forgiveness, the student loan, and you think it's the most ridiculous damn thing you ever heard and a horrible idea and so on and so forth, if ultimately, I don't know how it will happen, but if ultimately the courts decide that it is constitutional and Joe Biden has the power to magically disappear twenty ten dollars to $20,000 in student loan per borrower and you qualify for it, You'd be a damn fool not to take it. You'd be a, maybe you wouldn't advertise it, but you'd be a damn fool not to avail yourself of it. It is the law of the land. You're following the law. You can and should follow laws even if you object to those laws. 
You can sit there and say, I think marijuana should be recreational for everybody and so on and so forth. But you know what? If you're caught with a bunch of weed, no matter what you think, they don't go, oh, well, we won't apply this law to you because you're morally opposed to it. So we're going to let it slide. That's not how it's not how it works. It's not how it should work. So I hope to God Republicans do wake the hell up and go, all right, well, we need to make a new change. We need to come up with something else. We need to get good at these things. Um, Speaking of getting good at things, we had this situation yesterday. When last we spoke, this was just breaking. The Russians launched a missile into Poland. Remember that story? It didn't last very long, but it was this huge scandal. It was a huge scandal that is saying they're going, oh, my God, what's going on? Is uh, is this going to cause NATO to go to war with Russia? Well, it turns out it wasn't a Russian missile. It was a Ukrainian missile. Now, theoretically... Poland could still go, hey, uh, I want to invoke Article 5. We've been attacked. It doesn't matter by whom we were attacked. Uh, uh, We have been attacked and we demand retribution, theoretically. But that'll never happen. It would be interesting to see how the world reacted to that. If if the Polish president's like, it doesn't matter where the missile came from. If it came from Ukraine, too bad. They attacked us. We demand justice. Because the left around the world is uh, looking at Ukraine as though, I mean, my God, what does Ukraine have on everybody? If you just think about it, what does, what makes Ukraine so damn special? It's, oh, it's, it's the breadbasket of the world. It's the world's grain. They're the big, we can't grow grain anywhere else. I'm pretty sure I've driven past fields and fields and fields of grain. I'm pretty sure we could do, I, we drive past fields of corn. We drive past fields of everything that you could possibly need in this country that maybe we could redirect some of that to human consumption or what have you or certainly we'd be fine as a nation and it has been quite some time the growing season is over right the growing season is over we're past the harvesting season as well there's been an arrangement to get the grain out of ukraine through whatever sea it black sea or whatever and uh we're good Going forward, maybe we shouldn't rely so much on Ukraine as a world, as a species. And uh, maybe we should come up with another place or other places, maybe diversify. I'm not sure I'm buying the Ukraine without if Ukraine goes away, we're all going to die bit. But if you want to buy that, you're free to buy into that. Now would be a pretty damn good time to diversify where we grow our grain as a species so that no invasion of any one country will threaten the world's food supply or something like that. Don't you think? I mean, wouldn't that just seem like a good idea? It seems like a good idea to me. <laughs> okay, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we should find a better way, find another way. But we don't seem to be doing that. Ukraine... We all know that Ukraine has dirt on the Bidens. There's no way they don't have dirt on the Bidens. Hunter Biden made a fortune in Ukraine. Joe Biden got a big old chunk of that fortune that Hunter Biden made in Ukraine, along with God. I mean, that's the money we know about. 
That's the money we know about. Hopefully Republicans won't wuss out and decide that they don't want to investigate. No, we're looking forward, not backwards, and all that crap that they always do. I hope that they actually do subpoena Hunter, subpoena Hunter a lot. Give the Biden clan a taste of what they've done to Trump supporters as so far as uh, the um, the push to seemingly break them financially with lawyers' fees, with legal fees. But go after all of these people. Get to the bottom of it. Expose it. But the rest of the world has to have... The dirt has to... Ukraine has to have dirt on the rest of the world, too. Seemingly. Because the whole world... Like, oh, my God. Ukraine. We must protect Ukraine. And then Poland gets hit by a missile. And immediately... You see Bill Crystal becoming sexually aroused and all the neocons in this country. Oh, we could maybe finally have that war. This is how we're going to get that war with Russia that we've always wanted. This is going to be great. All the defense contractors sitting up, starting to drool, starting to loosen their collar and maybe look to rent a room going, oh, my goodness, this is going to be incredible. We're getting what we want. Well, it turns out that the missile that hit Poland was launched from Ukraine. Now, allegedly, it was an accident. But why? Why is Ukraine given the benefit of the doubt? I'm sure they think that Poland isn't doing enough. Ukraine seems to believe that no country is doing enough, no matter how many billions you send them. They seem to be the most ungrateful people on the face of the earth. Zelensky, every time you see him on TV, it's either Sean... Did you see this? Sean Penn went over there and gave Zelensky his Oscar. Here's my Oscar. I'll feel so much better with you having it over here. You can return it when this is all over to me. Like, what kind of idiot? What's really weird is, according to the bylaws of the Academy, at least the bylaws the way they used to be, I assume they're still the same, you can't sell your Oscar. Your Oscar isn't yours. You can inherit it down. You can pass it on to your children and what have you. But you can't sell it. They retain the right forever to prevent the sale of it, or at least used to. But you can give it to some world leader, tin pot moron, who seems to derive all of his power from the people kissing his butt and from the corruption in his government in the past and all the dirt that came with it. But you look at what the, the way that we were ready to go to war, seemingly excited to go to war, with Russia over Ukraine, over the attack on Poland, the accident, even if one missile landed in Poland, if it came from Russia instead of from from Ukraine, do you really think Russia's going to go, you know what, let's, we're getting our asses kicked in Ukraine. Let's just launch, just for fun, let's launch a rocket into, into Poland and see what happens. In a, into Polish farmland where you kill two random farmers. Horrible, sad, everything, but, I mean, spare me this crap. You sit there and you watch this stuff and you go, what does Ukraine have? The the way that the whole world snapped, what does Ukraine have on everybody that the whole world is willing to do seemingly their bidding no matter what? I get that you want to have a check on Russian aggression, but for the love of God, at some point, the idea when the House Progressive Caucus writes a letter to President Biden saying, Hey, 
things are going well for the Ukrainians, maybe it's time to encourage them to have a conversation with Russia about maybe ending this thing, maybe negotiate some kind of peace. And the rest of the left comes down on the progressive caucus saying, you're tools of Russia, you're monsters. No, we will not allow it. You sit there and you have to go, what in the hell makes Ukraine so special? What makes Ukraine so special? I've never understood it. I'll never understand it. And quite frankly, I know there's going to be, if, if this war comes to an end soon, and we all hope that it does, if that comes to an end, there's going to be a big push by Ukraine to get in, into NATO. Please come into NATO. Let us in. Help us protect us from Russia. They absolutely should not be allowed into NATO. And we should, damn it, spend a lot of our time and energy over the next couple of years, particularly starting for the next growing season, planting enough crops, whatever the hell it is that Ukraine brings to the world, so that we don't have to give a damn about Ukraine. If they just grow wheat, then plant wheat somewhere. Go crazy. Uh, We've got, God knows, there's just tons of empty farm call up bill gates bill gates has enough farmland than more farmland than most countries call up him and say hey could you start growing some wheat on all that farmland that you bought up uh, for whatever weird reason you creep so that we don't have to worry about a world war next time a corrupt country invades another corrupt country i don't think they'll do it that seems too commonsensical but damn it sure would be nice if these people just looked around and said hey Maybe we should make Ukraine less important. Then again, I'm not in on the massive, obvious money laundering scam that is the country's economy. So what the hell do I know? There's no way I will ever believe in a million years that Ukraine doesn't have dirt on everybody. You've got this uh, FTX thing, this this crypto thing that costs billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars. There are millions of people in this country and around the world who are just screwed six ways from Sunday. A lot of their money, they put money into crypto because, you know, Giselle Bunchen and Tom Brady and Larry David and a whole bunch of other people did ads for it saying, oh, you got to got to get into this crypto thing and go to this exchange. FTX, I don't think is crypto. It's a, it's an exchange. And so they're handling all these this money going back and forth and People were getting rich and people were cashing out, but it looks like it was a Ponzi scheme and the whole thing collapsed after the guy. Of course, it didn't uh, didn't come out until after the election. It's weird how that works. And the guy who did it is still out there, not really uh, seemingly facing arrest. This weirdo dude does not seem to be facing arrest yet or all that concerned about arrest either uh, even either because he's well connected he's gotten two puff pieces in the new york times of all places about how this guy has uh, sam bankman freed he has uh, adhd and he has a little bit of asperger's and blah 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 and boy howdy it's just the boy genius you're not a genius ponzi scheme you don't have to be a genius to set up a Ponzi scheme. You just have to find stupid people to give you their money. It's pretty simple. You know, you just have to be smarter than your targets. But you watch all this crap and the coverage of it, it's like, oh, man. Today they had a piece about how they had a, a therapist. Apparently they hired a whole bunch of people with uh, 
various problems like ADHD, and they were just giving out Adderall left and right. And the New York Times is trying to defend the doctor who was prescribing Adderall left and right, allegedly, to the people who worked for FTX. It's like, why, why are you doing this? Who knows? There's still some money left out there. Maybe they're trying to get their piece of the action, or maybe they're trying... Watch what happens with this. Because as I said the other day, Bernie Madoff was a piker compared to this guy. When Bernie Madoff went down... They seized every dime that Bernie Madoff had. Anything that came close to Bernie Madoff, money-wise, they gave it back to him. They even went after people who had invested and made a fortune, or at least on paper were told they made a fortune, and cashed out. They wouldn't seize those. These were ill-gotten gains. Therefore, uh, sorry, you've got to go. They they weren't in on it, but they had their property seized. They had their, their profits seized. How many people should be treated that same way with FTX? All their accounts are worthless, but I guarantee you people made money. How much did Giselle and Tom and Steph Curry and Shaquille O'Neal and all the other people who did ads for them in exchange for a piece of the company, how many of those people cashed out? Do they have to cash back in? How many Democratic politicians out there, there are a lot that he gave to, that this weirdo gave to, that uh, now they have to give back their money? Will they be giving back their money? Will the Democratic Party give back their money? He was their number two donor this election cycle after George Soros. George Soros has the good sense to collapse other people's banks, not to collapse his own company, to collapse other people's currencies, to manipulate other people's currencies, not the, you know, he doesn't bite the hand that feeds him. If he starts doing serious, I mean, he's doing serious damage from a policy perspective to the United States. But if he started doing serious damage to the dollar on the world market, I don't think that the left would be, they'd probably agree with him. They'd probably be excited. Oh, good. He's going to take down that horrible capitalist system. But eventually there'd be a point of uh, diminishing returns where they go, this guy's screwing over Americans and uh, that's not going to help us. So it's just worth asking some questions about this is why have we not seen indictments for this guy or at least the prospect of indictments. We're seeing Tom Brady and Steph Curry in this story from uh, Bloomberg News, FTX and its former CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried, were sued over claims the platform targeted unsophisticated investors using celebrity endorsers, including Tom Brady, Giselle Bündchen, Steph Curry, and Shaquille O'Neal. Quote, FTX's fraudulent scheme was designed to take advantage of unsophisticated investors from across the country who utilize mobile apps to make their investments. Oklahoma resident Edwin Garrison said in a complaint filed Tuesday in federal court in South Florida, As a result, American consumers effectively sustained over $11 billion in damages. Now, you got to love that. A guy in Oklahoma suing in South Florida. Why? Because South Florida is one of those places where they are very favorably, they look very favorably upon class action lawsuits. 
There are some jurisdictions in this country where they look favorably on certain types of lawsuits. The judges are corrupt or stupid or whatever. South Florida is one of those places where they love, love, love class action lawsuits. And uh, a class action lawsuit, for those of you who don't know, means that the lawyers get a huge settlement for the clients, except the clients individually get next to nothing. And the lawyers get a third of what's going on. Well, they, the court determines it. It's usually 20% to a third of what they collect. So you get a, all right, there's a $10 billion settlement. All right, the lawyers get uh, $3 billion and the clients get $7 billion. You go, oh, all right, $7 billion is nothing to sniff at until you realize that once you get down to it and you do all the math and each client gets like $78 or something like that because it's a class action lawsuit for millions upon millions of people. And you go, $78, nothing to sniff at. Yeah, the lawyers got $3 billion and you got 78 I remember I was involved in a class action lawsuit. I've been involved in a lot of class action lawsuits that I've never actually participated in where like oh, this thing collapsed or this thing was, you got screwed over. And like, I didn't know I got screwed over. And you just get the email because you bought something, right? You just get the email. You bought something, and uh, now you're part of this class action lawsuit. You can actively try to get out of it, but it's a pain in the ass to get out of it. And you just go, I, I don't care. Let it play out. And I, the one thing I remember ever winning or ever getting, because if they sent me a link to click here to claim your prize, I'm not clicking there to claim my prize in a class action lawsuit. It's most likely a virus. I'm not going to fall for it. And it, like... $40 I could do without for the peace of mind of, of my principles. But the one time I uh, didn't, when it, for some weird reason, when I was a kid, when I was right out of high school, went to a Tigers game, went on like a double or triple date to a Tigers game. And they were giving away a uh, helmet for filling out for a credit card. I got a Visa card, $500 limit. Ran that sucker up real fast, real stupid. But also, my credit was so bad, and then they were offering at Sears one day a 20% off coupon or some kind of coupon if you applied for a uh, Discover card, I think it was. And I thought, well, there's no, or maybe it was a Sears card. Whatever, no, it was a Sears card. If you applied for a Sears card. So I I said, all right, well, all I have to do is apply and I get this coupon. And I was buying some, so I applied, never thinking in a million years I was going to get it. And I got the Sears card. My credit was terrible. They must have been just giving them out to everybody. I don't know why they would have done it. But I had this Sears card. I used it occasionally. I didn't really run it up, thank God, the way I did that Visa card. But eventually, I was part of a class action lawsuit about that Sears card. I don't know what it was that Sears did that was so terrible that required them to be sued by everybody who had a Sears card, but we stuck it to them, damn it, and we won. We did. Congratulations to us. We won this class action lawsuit. And I remember going, I don't know what the hell this lawsuit is about. It kept They'd occasionally mail you things. This was back in the day when they'd actually mail you things. And uh, they'd this update, and then I get the settlement letter or whatever and there were coupons coupons i somehow i don't i don't know nothing against i hold no ill will towards sears roebuck and company but somehow my being screwed over by them led them to give me coupons for like i think it was three coupons for twenty dollars off and one coupon for 
$15 off. This was years ago. And I don't think they could be used together. So it wasn't like I'd go in and make one big $70 purchase and go, ha ha, eat it. No. And I don't think I ever used any of them. But I remember opening this going, this is this is what I, there's a huge $100 million, multi-million dollar settlement, class action suit. They'd screwed us over. And the negotiation that we got was that we got coupons for Sears. Now, if you if you were aware of what Sears had done to somehow wrong you to deserve this horrible fate, why would you want to go back to them if you really didn't feel wrong? Like, uh, yeah, they screwed me over, but I'm going to go make four separate purchases uh, to use these coupons. I don't think so. But mostly, I think people weren't aware of it. And I guarantee you the lawyers did not walk away with coupons. They walked away with a hell of a lot more than coupons. So class action lawsuits are one of the biggest scams in the world. They serve a purpose, but they have been bastard. I mean, turn on TV. What do you, oh, every other commercial used to be for catheters. Now they're for pillows and slippers, which are miraculously back in stock. But then there's, hey, do you ever fly over Camp Lejeune at all in your lifetime? I'll sue you. I put together a dedicated team. Then you look at the bottom. It's a referral service. They just get a piece of the action. Like your dedicated team to refer people to other lawyers so you can just get a nice little chunk of the money. Uh, what dedication? Hero is a, a word thrown around an awful lot these days. Rarely is it so accurately applied. You look at the, the you watch, the, you just scroll through the news on social media, whatever, on, on Elon Musk's Twitter. And you sit there and you go, this is this is what people have time to get upset about. This story, I saw this this morning, and it's like, really? This it's their wedding. If, I don't look. I I didn't have massive choreography when when uh, at our wedding when we went down the aisle or anything like that. Not, but that those videos went viral for a while, and everybody was doing it. It was so stupid. But if whatever, we just did a traditional thing. Like I'm standing there as we walked in, we got married, we walked out. That was enough for me. I didn't care about any other crap. And then you, you sit there and you go, if you want to do it your way, go ahead. We didn't do the mafia style. Like we spent $30,000 on our wedding. It was the most beautiful. No, we spent as little as humanly possible on our wedding because it's expensive and we didn't have a lot of money. So like, okay, when I have some people, we're going to have hors d'oeuvres and have wine and beer. And that's it. And we're going to have a daytime reception for like two hours in a, a room adjacent to the church. This is like attached to the church. Because it was, it was free. The church gave it to you. You could pay whatever you wanted. My brother-in-law uh, made a donation to the church for it. Well, that was it. We had, I don't know how many people were there. It wasn't 50, maybe, something like that. That was enough. We could have gone big. We could have gone more. And we could have spent a ton of money. But as it was, we didn't have it and didn't want to go into massive debt for a wedding. Doesn't make any sense. We still, you know, there were semi-famous and famous people there. Uh, Tucker was there. Whoop-de-doo. But uh, if somebody wants to go and drop, and I watch these shows all the time, so the one thing, what was it? Uh, mortgage or Marriage. Marriage or Mortgage is, there's a show on Netflix, I think, called Marriage or Mortgage. And you've got these wedding planners and this real estate agent, and they say, well, if you could, if you got 80 grand to drop on your uh, your wedding, or you could put 80 grand as a down payment on a house. And you sit there and you go, what the hell's wrong with these people? It never made any sense to me. But it's your life, it's your money, you want to waste it, knock yourself out. I couldn't care less. But this story, 
people getting upset about this? How is this a news story? UK Daily Mail. It's not even a slow news day. <coughs> Excuse me. A groom has been slammed for his disrespectful wedding display after he made the baffling choice to be carried down the aisle in a coffin, which was hoisted up to the altar by his wife's or his future wife's bridesmaids. There's a picture. And there's uh, you know the, the groomsmen and the bridesmaids carrying up there. The grim groom's bizarre entrance was captured on camera by a wedding guest who videoed the moment that the unnamed man believed to be from the U.S. was carted up the aisle at his outdoor ceremony in a black casket with two bridesmaids leading the eerie procession, procession while being helped by several groomsmen. Who cares? Now, I promise you, the wedding went, they got married. So I promise you that the wife was in on it. Because I don't care how good a sport a woman is or whatever. If you show up to your wedding and you, and you go, I'm going to be in a car, or you don't tell her, you just show up in a coffin and you're dragged, saying your life is over because you're getting married. I promise you that woman will not be sitting there at the end by the time your your casket gets to the altar. It just won't be. So why? why? And oh, to have so much time about, oh, geez, we just have more. I've got time to be upset by this crap. <laughs> the bridesmaid appeared to struggle slightly with the weight of the soon-to-be newlywed, but made a valiant effort to carry the dark coffin up the grassy aisle at the outdoor event. And they lined up, blah, blah, blah. But it does not show the bride, nor does it reveal whether or not the wedding ceremony actually went ahead. I'm sure that it was. You can't have the bridesmaids, if they weren't aware of it, like they grabbed five minutes before going, hey, you're going to have to carry Tony in a box down the aisle. They would have told the bride. One user said, quote, we would be divorced before we say I do. Another one, I have uh, the deepest ick, would have left immediately. Another commented, I would literally cancel the wedding. Another said, the disrespect, the audacity. Get a life. Get an absolute life. And what in the hell? Why is this news? You sit there and you go, the country, the planet, the species is getting dumber by the day. And some people try to put up a defense to that. Next time somebody says, no, 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 we're not getting dumber as a species. Show them this story and tell them, prove to them that this is a news story written by a reputable news outlet. They will have to admit you are right. I'm looking at my email. There is a runoff election happening in Georgia. That should be the focus of the Republican Party right now. That should be the focus of the Republican Party, period, until the election is done. The runoff election is done. Democrats are damn well focusing on it. I'm looking at this, and I kept getting emails. And I'm like, how many emails did I get today just regarding Warnock? One, two, three, four, five, six... Five. Five emails just today. But then I counted them up from yesterday. November 15th. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-three emails I got. Twenty-three emails. From Warnock campaigns or Warnock people. And that's 
amazing. That's a sickening and bizarre group of people. Like, oh my God, Raphael Warnock needs your endorsement. He really does? He, he's, did Raphael Warnock lose sleep last night because I have yet to endorse him? Because I've failed to endorse him? I am so sorry to hear that, Rafi. Let me, uh, let me hook you up. Or, you know, you've got bad, let's see, Georgia bad news alert. It says Raphael Warnock alert. Read this, Derek. And it's from Georgia bad news. That's the name. They can make up any name they want. Oh, my God. There's bad news. So the polls in the Georgia Senate race were uh, practically deadlocked on Election Day. Yeah, no kidding. And now it's going to a runoff. The G- okay, where's the bad news? The GOP is spending millions to defeat Raphael Warnock and destroy. And destroy is not only in caps lock, but it's also in bold. So you know it's totally serious. Destroy our chances of expanding our Democrat Senate majority once and for all. Now, I love these idiots who are trying to tell their... They, they're acting as though once and for all. So every Senate majority, if you get the Senate majority, it's permanent then, right? Is that it? It's permanent? Is this what democracy looks like? I don't I don't believe this is what democracy looks like, right? I, I, I could be wrong, but it's my understanding that this is not how democracy looks. But we're broke, they say. But we're broke from spending all our money in the midterms. We don't have the money to fight back, so we need a massive, and massive is in caps lock. It's not bold, but the entire paragraph here is in highlighter. These emails are written like they're written like a, a love letter from a 13-year-old girl. They really are. So we'll need a massive grassroots support to fund our campaign. That's why we're power fundraising to reach $100,000 before the end of the week. If we hit our goal, Warnock will have the momentum he needs to win. Wait a second. Time out. Throwing a challenge flag on this one. So you're telling me that Republicans and their groups and all those evil SOB conservatives are willing to spend millions, plural, millions of dollars to destroy Raphael Warnock. But if you get $100,000, somehow you will win. You'll have the momentum you need to win. Huh. How does that work exactly? I don't know how that works. Great. Derek, Georgia is our key to expanding our Democrat Senate majority, so we're begging, chipping $5 to reelect Reverend Warnock. It's very funny, the Reverend Warnock stuff. Under any other circumstances, anybody with uh, any association with any kind of religion says something about government. And what does the left do? You need to lose your tax-exempt status. You need to shut up, Churchy. Who the hell do you think you are? Get back in your place, Churchy. Separation of church and state. But when it suits their needs, as the Reverend Warnock. Oh, the most, the most righteous Reverend Warnock, whose uh, ex-wife is trying to get him deposed in uh, their child custody case. He's not paying his child support. His church is paying his... Uh, his mortgage on his mansion, but uh, he's not paying his child support or has difficulty or refuses to pay his child support. He also got a little, as good reverends do, got a little physical with his ex-wife, according to her. All those sorts of things. You know, no, 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 he's just the right reverend, Rafi Warnock. He's just the salt of the earth. Good Lord. It concludes, Derek, the situation in Georgia is dire. 
Republicans are humiliated about their midterm performance, so they're going all in to steal Raphael Warnock's seat and flip the state ruby red. Steal? How are you going to? How do you steal? Again, these are the people who say this is what democracy looks like, but it's steal. If Democrats don't win, it's theft. And if they succeed, it will spell disaster. And they have disaster in bold and in caps lock and with a dash between each letter. So, good Lord. I don't know. how. The only, the only other step remaining to highlight how important this is is a larger font and maybe an underline. So they're, they're, this is like DEFCON 2. Spell disaster for Georgia, the entire Democratic Party, and our democracy. Our very democracy is somehow under threat if Democrats who have control of the Senate don't have control of the Senate when this election is over. What? Yeah. Don't think too hard about this. Derek, we wouldn't be asking if it weren't absolutely important. So will you chip in $5 to win the Georgia runoff? We need you in this fight. Democratic Strategy Institute. No, you can go find a a long, a short pier to have a long walk off of or a nice footbridge over, I don't know, a, a cavernous valley and maybe take a flying leap off of that. This is the caliber of fundraising that's going on right now in regards to this. And the saddest, most bizarre part about all of this is that there will be our fellow Americans out there who read this stuff and go, well, I got to go get my credit card. I need, I yeah, I've maxed nearly maxed out my credit card, but I just paid the bare minimum. I, they were calling, trying to get money from me, and I gave them $200 on the uh, $25,000 in debt that I have towards them. But that $200, Raphael Warnock needs that much more than I do. And they will. It works. That's what's so sad about it. It works on people. Not many, but it doesn't have to take many from a percentage standpoint. It just has to work on enough. And these grifters will continue to be knee-deep in money, laughing all the way to the bank while you laugh. Well, well not you, but these people laugh all the way to the poorhouse. Suckers. I, uh, You know, not all heroes wear capes, as I always say. But you see a story like this, and you have to sit there and uh, take your hat off to it. Uh, you probably outlive us all. Because you sit there and you go, that guy's smoking over there. What's he, is this an idiot? Now, even as an ex-smoker, you go, what an idiot? Who still smokes in this day and age? And you really don't. You smell more marijuana walking down the street than you do tobacco these days. It's really bizarre. I love all these anti-smoking crusaders who are also pro-legalizing marijuana. And you have to go, don't you... Don't you understand how marijuana is usually consumed? You know, there's a very specific way in which marijuana is normally consumed. And they go, no, well, I just pretend that that's a choice. That's a choice. Okay. I can't wait till they allow smoking marijuana in bars. They're going to try and justify that one. But this story is not about smoking marijuana. This is a story for the ages. Because like I say, this guy will probably... Well, maybe not, but he's uh, doing something I couldn't do. You probably couldn't do either, and that's running a marathon. The story, he huffs, puffs, puffs, passes the other marathoners in this smoking run. A Chinese grandpa 
redefines smoking the competition after running an entire marathon in just 3.5 hours while puffing away on cigarettes. <laughs> Images of the chain-smoking athlete are lighting up Weibo, the Chinese social media platform, as fans praise his respiratory fortitude. The 50-year-old runner. He's 50 years old. Okay, I saw that, and I thought, I thought this guy was like 70. Okay, he looks older. So uh, that's strike one against him. But the fact that he ran a marathon is a miracle. The 50-year-old runner, known as Uncle Chen, accomplished the breathtaking feat in Zhang Zhang Marathon in Jindai. I assume that's the province. Running the entire 26.2 miles while either smoking or lighting up a cigarette, the mirror reported. Smoking might seem like it would be at odds with long-distance running. However... The tobacco-loving grandpa reportedly managed to complete the event in an impressive three hours, 28 minutes, and 45 seconds. A good marathon time, according to the Marathon Handbook. As a result, Uncle Chen placed 574th out of around around 1,500 runners, as seen in the certificate that he received. And there he is. And there's picture after picture of him. He's running. He's number 1,158. As he's running through there, and he's lighting up cigarettes. There he is, pulling a pack, pulling his pack out of his pocket, lighting it up, going to town, running right along with the smoke hanging out of his mouth. Uh, c- congratulations, I guess. But I mean, my God, you couldn't, you couldn't, if you can't go three and a half hours on a running and a marathon without smoking and probably smoking a pack of cigarettes, you've got a problem. So while the images show the marathon runner running, uh, uh, runner sprinting along with a cigarette dangling out of his mouth, a health con- uh, like a health conscious Edward R. Murrow, needless to say, social media fans were impressed that he managed to finish the race while smoking and without running out of cigarettes. However, others accused him of harming other competitors with secondhand smoke. This is what I mean about the you've got too much time on your hands crap. What about the secondhand smoke? They're outside. First first of all, they're outside. Second of all, it's China. Smoking is probably the healthiest thing you can do for your lungs in most of China, given the amount of population that they pump out into the air. So spare me that crap. This isn't Uncle Chen's first rodeo. In 2008, the Siggy-loving marathon man finished the Guangzhou Marathon in three hours and 36 minutes. So he's actually shaved about eight minutes off of his time while smoking. So kudos to him. He also completed the 2019 Jimin Marathon in three hours and 32 minutes. So he keeps getting better and better. By the time this guy sucks down a carton in a marathon, he'll be under three hours. Proving uh, that not only is smoking not hindering his performance, but may actually be improving it. You sit there and you watch this stuff and you go, you know, it's always the 97-year-old. and She's turning 100 today. And she says the secret to long life is a pack of Paul Malls and a, and a bottle of whiskey every day. Isn't that how it works? It's not how it really works. It'll never work. It's like these people, it never really actually works for real people. But these people are like, it's a, it's a banner day. It works for them. I mean, congratulations to them. God love. If they could find a way to make drinking a ton and smoking nonstop 
not, I almost said healthy, but not unhealthy, I'd, I'd do it again. Maybe. Although the last time I had a cigarette was a couple of years ago, and it had been a couple of years, and I remember thinking, this tastes like crap. Like, I really thought this was good. Why in the hell would I think this is good? It's gross. Anyway, lastly today, since we're uh, talking about the bizarre, <laughs> the UK Daily Mail, this is just pathetic. A student has become Miss America's first ever transgender contestant to win a local pageant, promoting critics to accuse the woke competition of allowing opportunities to be stolen away from female contestants. Earlier this month, Brian Nguyen, 19, made Miss America history when she, he, became the first transgender woman to win the Miss Greater Dairy title. The Miss Dairy, uh, the Greater Miss Terry Scholarship Program set up by Miss America Organization welcomes contestants between 17 and 24 who are judged on their achievements in scholastic aptitude, talent, character, community service, and poise, according to their website. In April, the business management student will compete against other local title holders to become Miss New Hampshire 2023. Now, looking at there's a picture of him on the steps, all the contestants, and this is a short, fat dude in a dress. Fat. All the other contestants are poised and fit, and the short, fat dude wins. But no, it wasn't virtue signaling. Not at all. Bullcrap. Give me a break. Men are really good at everything, including being women. Anyway, we're out of time for today with Joe. We'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again because this crazy little blue marble in the middle of nothing spinning around never stops. Thank God for that. I'll see you tomorrow. Remember.